that sweet aroma I'm bold and beautiful I can hardly wait to taste Early morning Something wonderful Is about to make my day Hey! Give me a good cup of coffee Give me a word that rocks me a whole lot of Jesus and a little caffeine. World waits out the front door. Let it wait just a bit more. Because I need Jesus and a little caffeine. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land, and welcome to another episode of Jesus and Coffee. Amen. My name is Jay Brooks, and I'm your host for this devotional Bible study. I'm a Christian, a husband, a father, and a grandfather. I love Jesus, and I love coffee, hence the name of this broadcast. I have my Bible open in front of me in a nice hot mug of dark roast coffee, so I have everything I need to start my day. This isn't really about coffee, it's all about Jesus. I just drink coffee while I'm doing it, and I happen to love this song by John Waller. My wife and I met him in August of 2017 at a free concert he gave in a church here in New England. We had a nice conversation and he wasn't trying to get rid of us. He was genuinely interested in getting to know us a little bit. Check out his music and if you have a chance to go see him I highly recommend it. He is a good Christian brother who loves Jesus and loves coffee so that makes him my kind of guy. So let's get things started, shall we? Welcome to episode 100 of Jesus and Coffee, Amen. I must say that I'm pleased that we made it this far, and I'm grateful that God has been with me all through this thing. Today I will be reading from the ESV, English Standard Version, John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29, Let's pray and get into the Word. Almighty God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask you to open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your Holy Word. Change us with your Word, because we desperately need to be changed. Reveal yourself to us from your Word, because we desperately need to know you and speak to us through your Word, because we desperately need to hear your voice. Amen. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The word of the Lord. Amen. Here we have the story of Doubting Thomas. Everybody has heard of Doubting Thomas. We have a familiar saying here in the U.S., don't be a Doubting Thomas. 
I dare to say that not everyone who says that knows that Thomas was one of Jesus' disciples and that he was appointed an apostle. A disciple is a student and a follower of a respected teacher. An apostle is one who has been sent by that teacher to spread his teachings. Thomas was sent by Jesus, along with the others, to spread his teachings. I think many who know who he is, even some professing Christians, only know that he doubted Jesus' resurrection until he could see him and touch his wounds. If you have been with me all through this gospel, you may recall at the end of chapter 10 of this gospel, the Jewish authorities attempt to stone Jesus. He is able to escape and goes across the Jordan to where John had baptized him. While Jesus and his followers are there, he receives a message from Mary and Martha, the one whom you love is ill. After waiting two days, Jesus says to his disciples, let us go to him. The disciples remind Jesus that the Jewish authorities were just trying to kill him and maybe it's not such a good idea to head back there. Then Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. At that moment, Thomas was the only disciple that was not concerned about safety. If Jesus wants to go back where they want to kill him, then let us go and die with him. This is dedication and deserves to be commended. In chapter 14, on the night Jesus was betrayed, Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? In response to which Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This, in my opinion, is one of the most significant statements of Jesus. It is because of this statement in response to Thomas's question that we can be sure that there is no other way to be saved. He did not say, I am a way, or one of many ways. He said, I am the way. Thank you, Thomas, for asking this question. We owe you a debt of gratitude. Therefore, I, for one, will not pick on Thomas for this, his skepticism. I believe the others were just as skeptical. They just didn't have the chance to express it. When Jesus appeared to the others eight days before, they were all afraid. Luke tells us they thought he was a ghost. Before any of them spoke a single word, Jesus showed them his wounds. As I write this and contemplate what has happened, I believe that Jesus knew he had to show them his wounds for them to believe. So I must say that Thomas, irrespective of all the ridicule he takes, is not really so different than the other disciples. Jesus, dear, sweet, compassionate Jesus, doesn't ridicule Thomas. Jesus knows what Thomas said to the others, just like he knew what the others were thinking when he appeared to them. After saying, peace be with you, as he did to the others, he goes right to Thomas and tells him to look and to touch and believe. All through the Gospels, Jesus is overflowing with compassion. He goes easy on Thomas, and he goes easy on us as well. Jesus has no problem with skepticism. After all, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus told his disciples to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. In Mark chapter 9, after the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus encounters a man whose son is possessed by a demon. And he asked Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus then tells the Father, all things are possible for one who believes. The Father's response has resonated within me from the first time I read it. I believe, help my unbelief. 
Jesus didn't rebuke this man, tell him he was double-minded. He didn't say, well, you have to do a little better than that. I just told you all things are possible for one who believes, so do you believe or not? He didn't tell him he needed more faith. He just healed the boy. Jesus, in my humble opinion, has no problem with honest skepticism. What Jesus has a problem with is lack of compassion. People were attracted to Jesus when he walked on this earth because of his character. Jesus loves people. Jesus brings joy to people. Jesus gives peace to people. Jesus is patient with people. Jesus is kind, good, faithful, and gentle when dealing with people. And Jesus is the ultimate example of self-control. When he was arrested, he could have annihilated those who came to see him. In Matthew's account of Jesus' arrest, which you can find in chapter 26 of his gospel, Jesus tells his disciples if he so desired he could call upon more than 12 legions of angels. 12 legions of angels to protect him, which would be more than 72,000 angels. Not calling on those angels and submitting to his arrest and crucifixion is some serious self-control. We, who profess to be born-again followers of Jesus, represent him on this earth. To properly represent Jesus to this lost and dying world, we must display his character. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That, my friends, is a description of Jesus. That is Jesus' character. Jesus wants this fruit to be visible in us. He wants this to be our character. Yes, my friends, Jesus goes easy on the man who asks for help with his unbelief. And in this passage, he goes easy on Thomas. Then Jesus says something else to Thomas. Something about us. You have believed that I am alive because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You and I are blessed because we believe without seeing the risen Lord. Think about that. We don't get to see his face or hear his voice. The first time we will see him is when he opens the gate of heaven and ushers us inside. Jesus says we are blessed because we believed without seeing him in the flesh. Jesus goes easy on the man who asked for help with his unbelief. He goes easy on Thomas, and he goes easy on us. That, my friends, amazes me. I don't know about any of you. I only know about me. I am a sinner. After 25 years of following Jesus, trusting him, and studying his word, I still find myself wondering why he would love me. I still find myself wondering why he would forgive me. I am so unworthy. I am nothing. Yet he bids me come to him, and I am overwhelmed. His blood of redemption covers my shame. His voice that shakes the heavens whispers my name. He catches my tears in his nail-scarred hands, and I am overwhelmed. I am so very grateful that Jesus goes easy on me. Every day that I remain on this earth, I am more and more convinced of my need for a Savior. Yes, my friends, Jesus does indeed go easy on us. Shouldn't we do the same with everyone we know and everyone we meet? Thank you for listening to Jesus and Coffee. Amen, and may God richly bless you.